Well, good morning, Ascent. It is so good to be with you all on today. If I haven't met you, my name is Maurice. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And uh, I'm just excited to be with you this morning. Thank you all for coming. Uh, we don't ever take that lightly. Um, for you to try somewhere for the very first time or even been here for our first couple of times, uh, welcome here. You belong here. We love you. And thank you so much for joining us on today. Um, I'm excited about this morning. And I just, this was not in my plans at all. But if you could just praise God for being here this morning. If you could you just join me of just like, I don't know why that just kind of spurred me on this morning. But I'm excited um, to get into our time together and even lean into what God has for us. Um, I encourage you this morning to meet this moment, meet our time together when we come in here and worship with expectation. Don't just get into a place where it becomes just something that's casual. Would you meet this moment with expectation? Because I believe that the living God of this universe desires to do something in every single one of our lives. And when we encounter Jesus, we'll see today in our time, in our text, that when we will encounter Jesus, things begin to change and our lives begin to shift and they begin to transform. Before I jump into our time where we get into the preached moment, I got to give you a quick heads up. Um, our church is going back on mission to Cuba. We have not gone in a long time. Yes. Amen. Um, um, pandemic slowed things down. And so, uh, but we're excited to go back this summer. We are going to be going to Cuba on a mission trip. Um, many people, many people in this room, you've gone on that trip before. I've been talking with Pastor Willie, who's the pastor down there in Cuba. And I'm excited to be able to go this summer. We started looking up some different things. Um, so here's just a heads up for you all to know. Uh, today is our first interest meeting. So after this service at 1130 in the tire center, We'll be meeting and we'll be going over some of the details of the trip that we have already. Um, I'm trying to get another interest meeting on the calendar so that you all can um, lean in, but we got to get moving. We got to get moving on tickets and visas and all the different things and passports. Um, so we're excited about that. Many people or a few of you have signed up. If you haven't signed up, that's totally fine. Maybe you're looking for a space, an on-ramp um, of an immersive experience to live into another place, serve a different community, experience God in a new way, in a new expression. Cuba is one of the best ways to do that. So make sure you uh, check us out. And if you have any questions, you can always email me. All right. Well, listen, uh, for our time together, I don't have a ton of time, but I want to get right into God's word. Uh, we are in a brand new series called Be and Behold. Uh, the premise for this series is all around the journey to the cross. We look at in, the, in America where we celebrate Easter, the day that we celebrate and acknowledge the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as we gear towards Easter, we slow ourselves down and we begin to think to ourselves, how can we prepare our hearts for that day? How can we prepare our hearts, not just for that day, but to experience the sacrificial living of Christ every single day? Because although Jesus journeyed to the cross, he called us to journey to a cross every single day. We see in the text, we see in scripture, this ancient text that Jesus calls us to die to ourselves daily, to, pair, to bear our cross. And so that's something that we do on a daily basis. So in this series, we're going to be looking at different interactions that Jesus has with people. And so as we journey towards Easter, we want to look at the weeks leading up to Jesus's journey towards the cross. What can we extract? What principles can we pull from? What characteristics does Jesus embody for us today? that we can look at and we can say this encounter is something that's very special and it's applicable for our time today. One of the things that you'll be seeing over the next several weeks that we're in this series is this point right here that Jesus reveals in his interactions 
that the world's values are turned upside down in God's kingdom. When we see the interactions for them this week and the next couple of weeks that we have, we begin to see that Jesus turns the world's values upside down. What do we mean by that? What do I mean by that? Well, the things that we value in society, when it comes to reputation, when it comes to status, when it comes to power, when it, when it comes to gain, when it comes to what we'll see in our text today, wealth and possessions, when we enter into the kingdom of God, Jesus turns those things upside down. They lose their value in the kingdom of God. And you think to yourself, Maurice, you keep saying this thing around the kingdom of God. Well, when Jesus came, it's not a word or a phrase from me. Jesus came, he came preaching about another kingdom. Not a kingdom of the left or the right, not a king. There's a new kingdom that he introduces, that he announces and he invites us all to live into. It's a new way, it's a new form of a new humanity that he calls us to. And when we live in the way of the kingdom, we'll see that different things arises and collisions begin to take place. One amazing professor, author, teacher, awesome Bible teacher, uh, this guy by the name of Tim Mack, he makes this analogy when it comes to talking about the kingdom of God. Think about it in our uh, Western world of uh, living in America. Uh, we drive on the right-hand side of the road, right? Um, we drive on the right-hand side of the road and just imagine for a moment, there was no idea of left-handed driver driving on the left-hand side of the road. And every single week you came in here and we told you every single week, we preached to you, drive on the left-hand side of the road. Now I know some of y'all, y'all not the best drivers in the first place, but and I say that for me as well. My wife is looking, glaring at me. But if you, every week you came in here and I told you, yep, you come in here as you leave this place, I need you to drive on the left-hand side of the road. As you leave here, I know everybody out there is doing that, but I'm calling you to drive on the left-hand side of the road. What he says is, well, practically, tension arises, conflict arises, collision arises. When Jesus calls us to live into the kingdom of God, can I just let you know that if we do not find ourselves colliding with the value system of this world, I don't know if we're reading the same Bible. I don't know if we're following the same Jesus. I don't say that in some kind of condemning way, but we see all throughout scripture, Jesus calls us to live into a kingdom that disrupts the societal values. So when we say live into the kingdom of God and we say these are values that the kingdom holds and we call ourselves to love our neighbor, not return our neighbor with the same energy that they gave us and to clap back at that neighbor. No, 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 Jesus calls us to love. Jesus calls us to do different things. Jesus calls us into a new way of thinking. And so when we look at this, there's going to be moments that we collide with the values of society. And today, our text guides us directly into that. Before I go directly into the text, there's this word behold for the next couple of weeks that we're going to be talking about. This is the series. You heard Whitney talking about it, that song. Did you guys hear that song? Can we clap it up for worship real quick? Like that song, Behold. Come on, come on. I need you to hear the words that I need you to sit in that behold to be sure to see. It's this Greek word that I looked at as I was doing some study and it's called blepo, B-L-E-P-O. And as it looks at it, there's another like layer of it that talks about to look earnestly upon with contemplation. Blepo is very different than just browsing. Behold is different than just looking. Behold is different than just seeing, behold. 
And it's a very profound principle that we see in scripture that's important that we rise to the level of behold because behold isn't quite a word that we use every single day, right? And everybody, not everybody uses the word behold. That's my challenge for you actually this week. I need you to go use the word behold. Uh, let's see how that works out for you. I need you to use the word behold. Uh, baby, I behold you this morning, all right? I used mine, I need you to use yours. I talked to my wife on the front row. Um, use the word behold, right? That word behold has some weight. That word behold has something that God is pulling us towards. When it comes to beholding something, this is a very profound biblical principle because whatever you behold, you become. Whatever you behold, you become. The question becomes, what are you beholding? Like, what are the things that you are earnestly looking upon with contemplation? This isn't just reserved for church stuff. Are there things that you're beholding that you shouldn't necessarily be beholding? Is there things in a lifestyle that you're beholding and you kind of have a bitterness in your heart because you don't have that which the person on social media has? What are you beholding? Are you beholding things that you necessarily shouldn't be beholding? Are you looking at something too long that you know you shouldn't necessarily be looking at? Let's be real in church this morning. What are you beholding? Because that which you behold, you become. And this morning, we are called to behold treasures in heaven. Maurice, what in the world does that mean? This text that I'm going to read for you is found in Matthew chapter 19. Matthew is a follower, a student of Jesus, and he writes a firsthand account of the interactions that Jesus has. And on our time together for the next few weeks, we want to look at these interactions and characteristics that Jesus shows for us. Because listen, people, it is time for us to live in a new way. It's time for us to look at how Jesus is calling us to live in a disruptive way. Not in, hear my heart this morning. I'm off my notes. I know I am, but just listen to my heart for a second, okay? I'm not talking about just like going and causing chaos in the name of Jesus, like doing something stupid. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those moments where people begin to look at you and your family. They wonder, what, what is it about that family that feels different? It's something that's unusual about that family. It's something unusual about that coworker because the way they handle things, the way that they approach this environment, as much as it's hostile or all the things that's going on, what is it about that student that I know this is a crazy, chaotic high school, but for some reason, the way in which they live, that's what I'm referring to. And that's what we'll see in today's text. It's a very, not a very lengthy text, but it's somewhat lengthy for a, like a Sunday morning. So just bear with me because this is church and we read scripture. Is that all right? Because I believe we should read scripture. It's church. Okay, so go with me to Matthew chapter 19. It's gonna be on the screens if you don't have your Bibles. In verse 16, it says these words. Then a man came to Jesus and said, teacher, what good deed should I do to gain eternal life? Jesus said to him, why did you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you want to enter into life, obey the commandments. Which commandments? The man asked. Jesus said, never murder, never commit adultery, never steal, never give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Verse 20, the young man replied, I have obeyed all these commandments. What else do I need to do? 
Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, sell what you own, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he owned a lot of property. Jesus said to his disciples, I guarantee this truth. It will be hard for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. I can guarantee again that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. He amazed his disciples more than ever when they heard this. Then who can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them and said, it is impossible for people to save themselves, but everything is possible with God. Verse 27, then Peter replied to him, look, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get out of it? We've given up everything to follow you. What am I going to get out of this? I, uh, when I first got here, I say this often, some of you already know this, but I was a high school pastor first. And uh, back home in California, being a high school pastor, I mean, back in California, I was, was working with youth and young adults. And then I moved out here and I was the high school pastor here. Uh, my first passion, my first love is the next generation. My first passion is loving the next generation, looking how they live lives. I have like a love-hate relationship with the next generation. Like I love how much they do things and then I like hate the way they do it. I just like the way they change the world. I'm like, like, man, you guys are doing there's so many things. You've got power, the things that you guys are doing, innovative and all these different things that are just like, the, also the way you do it. Ah, and I'm getting old. I can feel it. I'm like, I'm becoming the person that I heard growing up. Um, so, but I love the next generation and I was a high school pastor. And, um, and so I came out here initially as a high school pastor. And then I did that for several years. And then I uh, shift, shifted to teaching pastor. Um, and now uh, Chris Lagadros, who's over our middle school and high school ministry, he's the one who took over. Um, and I got a chance to speak one night at uh, that particular ministry. Now, here's the thing. I say that particular ministry, talking about high school ministry, um, because this isn't in my sermon, it has nothing to do with my sermon at all. But Chris changed everything that I set up. Like I was the high school pastor, then he came the high school pastor. And it felt like one of those, like you guys see like the presidents, it felt like just a whole, like every law, every legislation, he just like kicked over. He just like changed the name, changed the color, changed the t-shirts. This has nothing to do with today's sermon, but I just got to let Chris Lagos know, like I got a little bitterness in my heart around that, you know? He changed all of the things that I put in place and just the, everything. I was just like, what are you doing? So um, he knocked over all that I did, and he was a much better high school pastor than I am. But I don't think he could have changed, should have changed all my stuff. You know what I mean? I put some good things in place. Anyways, uh, back to our scheduled programming this morning. Watch the bitterness in your heart, people. Um... I was a high school pastor, right? And so I got a chance to go speak at uh, the ministry and I was excited and it was one of those messages I was really uh, impassioned around. And it was one that I thought about uh, creating a response moment. Um, not necessarily like an altar call, but one that was like responsive in a creative way. And I wanted them to respond to the message and I wanted them to write down questions or statements that they're like resonating with that after the message, they could like really put into words. I wrote down some, I didn't remember all of them, but I do remember like just how like high schoolers think, right? So I wrote down just a few of the ones that came across my mind and they came to the board and they write some good ones, right? Like, well, why would a good God let bad things happen, right? Good question, a lot of questions. Some of you may even have this question, right? Um, is the Bible applicable for today? Another one that's always in there. Do all religions point back to God? One of those ones like, ooh, okay, getting a little harder. Uh, this one, how far is too far? That one always comes up, classic. Problems about to happen, hormones are raging, they're wondering, like, how can I still be a Christian and do what I want to do, right? So it's like, all right, we got to address that. 
Um, do I have to give up being fun or good? Do I have to give up fun to be a good Christian, right? So I had them come and I had to write them, write all different questions on the board. And this was response. There was one response that stuck with me. One response that even today I find myself asking. One response that I even find myself wrestling with. He came up to the board and he wrote, Is it worth it? And that stuck with me. And immediately, one of the like amateur moves, being a high school pastor that I find myself, found myself in, in that moment as he wrote that, I'm sitting there and it like, like it hit me. And immediately, one of the things that I do is I, I try to like look at that and I like to try to like jump to saying yes and like bring the bar really low. Like, oh my goodness, yes, like it's worth it. You could do it. Like you don't have to do too much. Like it's just all these things and to like try to make it as really simple and make it really easy. Like it's really easy to follow God. And you got to just, just do this. Trust me, you don't worry about sin. Don't worry about this. Just like, it's really easy. And I like bring the bar really, really low. Trying to prove that God is worthy, that following God is worth it. This is the question in my uh, estimation that Peter asked this morning that he says, I've given up everything. Is it worth it? Like, is it truly worth it? And I can think about the high school lens, this high school boy, he was a senior at the time and he's just thinking to himself, I mean, he has reputation, he's cool. He's all like cool at, the, at school. He's on the sports team. He does all these things. And it seems like Maurice, it feels like I'm gonna have to really give up some things. It feels like I'm gonna have to live in a new way. It looks like this is something that's going to call me to a different standard. Is it worth it? Some of you have that question this morning. Some of you may be wondering that question. I gotta be honest, that's a question that comes up sometimes for me. I've been doing this thing, I've been preaching, I've been pastoring, all these things. And then it gets to this point when, especially when life hits, like, all, is this all worth it? Like all my time, my energy, my finances, all these things, is it truly worth it? And Peter asked this question. I gotta be honest with you, I like Peter. Like Peter gonna keep it real with you. Peter gonna ask them real questions and yes, it's Jesus, but like the disciples are probably like thinking to themselves that question and Peter's the one that actually asked that question. He's the one that jumps up. He's that friend that's like ride or die. You got any friends that's like ride or die, but like that take it literally? Like you're like, man, I hate this coworker. You're like, who we got to ride on? Like who we got to beat up? It's like, whoa, I ain't talking about all that. Like I'm just mad at him. You know what I mean? Peter, he's the one, you look at script, he cut somebody's ear off. He's like ride or die. He's like, whoa, Peter, you got to slow down. Peter's that, that Christian that like, I'm a Christian, but I still cuss. You know what I mean? <laughs> Some of y'all like, I'm Peter. Y'all looking about that to yourself right now. Peter, that one that's like, I'm a Christian, but don't tempt me too much because I'll really fight you. You know what I mean? That's Peter. And Peter asked this question, is it worth it? This morning for our time together, I really, really, really want to wrestle with this encounter that Jesus has because what we, I believe he is calling, Jesus is calling us to behold is to behold the treasures in heaven. What does that mean? I wish I had time to talk to the, to the student, the high school student about this and really lay it out for him. Because for me, I went to the immediate, this low bar, but the tension in the text that we'll see this morning and the tension that we'll see in our lives is this point right here, that Jesus wants much more from you than you ever thought. 
but he offers more to you than you ever imagined. Jesus will always demand way more from you than you ever thought, but he offers you more than you could ever dream of. And there's a tension there, right? That each year, if you reflect back on your past, your previous year, I believe as you look at and mark your maturation of growth with God, you begin to think to yourself, and yet he's calling me to give up something else. Not in some ritualistic religious way, but he's calling me to reimagine what treasures in heaven look like to shift my focus, to shift my perspective. We, in this morning, we look at the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler, this guy is a young, wealthy man. He has a lot of reputation, a lot of status. He would be likened into Justin Bieber this morning. Jesus is talking to Justin Bieber this morning, okay? And for all the young people in the room, don't ask me if I'm team Haley or team Selena, okay? Don't worry, I'm not getting into all that. Um, If you're older, you don't know what I'm talking about right now. But he's talking to Justin Bieber right now. And Justin Bieber is sitting there and he's asking them, what else do I have to do? And Jesus puts his thumb on that which he places above God. Isn't it interesting that he has done all of these commandments? He has kept all of these different things. And yet there was something else that had his heart. Money is not bad. Money is not evil. But when money has you, there's a problem. Possessions are not bad. Possessions are not evil. But when possessions have you, there's a problem. Desiring a dream job that's going to pay you a lot of money is not bad. But when that has you, there's an issue. And as much as we think that we have it together, some of you, we get to this place where we start thinking to ourselves, look, man, I'm killing. I started off the year right. I went on a 21-day fast. I'm praying every morning. I'm praying over my kids. I'm in a small group. I'm telling my coworker about Jesus. And we start thinking, man, I got it all together. And then Jesus comes for that other thing. All of us have that other thing. All of us have that thing that we're a little bit more tight-fisted around. My question for you this morning is, what is that? What is that thing that you kind of give Jesus this hand, but you kind of hide this hand? You know, with kids, sometimes they just like, give me what's in your hand, and they kind of just give you the one hand. Well, what's that other thing in your hand that's clenching, that you're clenching? That you think you have a tight clench on, but really it has a clench on your heart. What's the reflection that you got to do to really see mm, that area of greed? That area of the thing in my life that I really don't like going to, that that area in your life that you haven't really revisited in a long time. What's that thing that you have your fist around? The things that we see from Jesus calling us is that he'll always come for the things that has our hearts. And what treasures in heaven mean for us when he is talking to the rich young ruler, a.k.a. Justin Bieber, what he is saying is don't misunderstand your treasures on this earth for treasures in heaven. Like shift your focus from the things of this world to the things in heaven. It means to see that he is your treasure. Point number one, Jesus is your treasure. Jesus Christ is your treasure. What's the marker for this? What's the evaluation for this? The things that you hold on to, the things that you have, the things that it's hard for you to let go of, if you lost it all today, you would still have treasure. If you lost it all today, you'd still be wealthy. If you lost it all today, you'd still be rich towards God. 
Don't get it twisted. Jesus is calling us to make sure that we behold what treasures in heaven are because to live in the way of the kingdom is to turn our value system upside down. The value system of this world. What does it mean for us? What is the thing that we're craving? What is that thing that we're longing for? What's the thing that takes up your mental real estate? What's the thing that you keep crave for, the thing that you keep trying to fight for, the thing that you have ambition around. I hope you can see this morning, I'm trying to put my thumb on whatever that is for you because God is calling you to let it go. The season that we're in in church world globally is called Lent season, this Lenten season. It's this idea in its most simplest form to let go so that you can cling to that which is greater. To let go, to cling to that which is greater. And we got to be very mindful of this because when we talk about letting go of something, it's not in a like religious ritualistic type of way. Like, can I let you know, like letting go of cupcakes don't make you more like Jesus? Like, I don't know if I'm messing up your Lenten theology this morning, but I just need to let you know, like letting go of sugar and eating, I don't know, whatever your thing is, Pop-Tarts, that's my thing. Whatever yours is, whatever you let go, that don't make you more like Jesus. But it is an invitation, it is a tool, it is an avenue to say, I am willing to starve that which is of the flesh to clean that which is of the spirit. This is what God is calling us to. And we got to be very mindful because here's the thing, when we look at the scripture, money and possessions are not bad. But we must be careful in our pursuit of good because good can become our God. Did you hear what I said this morning? We must be careful of our pursuit of good because it can become our God. Scripture calls us to lay aside every weight and sin. Some of the things that's in our hearts, some of the things that we got to let go is let, let go of is sinful. But some of the things is good. But what happens when the good thing becomes the God thing? Or is my pursuit of that marriage is a good thing, but yeah, has it become a God thing? Have you pushed something to be an idol That pursuit of that job is not a bad thing. It's a good thing, but is it a God thing in your life? That pursuit, what is the good that you're in pursuit of? Because we can justify, well, this is good. I know, but has it gotten a part of your heart where Jesus is calling you to let it go? When we look at this text this morning, he is calling us to not only see that treasure in heaven, our treasure in heaven is him. Our treasure in heaven is him. And when we have Jesus, when we put our faith in Jesus, when we are willing to let go that which is weight and sin, we have everything that we need. I'm not calling you to just live a life where you just don't have anything and all these different things. I'm calling you to say, what is the thing that is taking priority? Because God is calling us to do these things. Matthew chapter six, verse 19 calls us, do not store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. But store your treasures in heaven where moths cannot rust nor destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God will not only come after the things that feel like weight and sin, he'll come after our dreams and our passions our desires, that thing that you've been dreaming about, that thing that you've been desiring, that thing that you've been longing for, and God will say, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, has that become an idol? Has that become something that you need to let go of? 
Point number one is when we behold treasures in heaven, it's to recognize that Jesus is our treasure. Point number two, and I'm out your way, we must understand that we are his treasure. That's right. I need you to hear this this morning. You are God's treasure. I want to slow down here because I believe that sometimes you rush past this. And somebody this morning, you need to know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That God loves you beyond that you could imagine. That before you were in your mother's womb, he knew you and set you apart. Jeremiah 1.5. John 3.16, that says that for God so loved the world that he, bega- he gave his only begotten son. He pursues us. Romans 5 verse 8 says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us, even when we were yet sinners. Your presence is of value. Your presence is of purpose. You are not the consequence of a mistake. You are not the product of the passions of your parents. God chose you. God chose you and has a plan for you. God is proud of you. God takes pride in calling you his child. I know there's things in your life. I know that there's wrestling that you have going on. And I know that there's things that come your way. And I know that your past wasn't the best. And I know that there's some traumatic moments that you really got to keep fighting through even today. But can I let you know that you are not a mistake? Can I let you know that you are a part of God's plan? That you are a value of God and your presence matters. And I know that you may be a person who's wrestling when it comes to this God thing, this God idea. You don't have to have faith in Jesus for a God and Jesus to have love for you. Jesus loves you. And we behold the treasures in heaven. That is to say that we recognize that God is our treasure and that he treasures us. God treasures us. And what happens when we begin to live in this way? When we begin to behold treasures in heaven? That which we behold, we become. The rich young ruler was a young man and he was unwilling to part ways with his possessions. And rather than acknowledge his sinfulness and come to Christ for freedom and salvation, he went away. And the Bible says that he was grieved. Today, we encounter a moment where God is calling us to have something in our life that has taken priority, that has seeped in, that has become what one theologian says, the monster of our heart. Will you walk away from that or will you press in? We ask the question like the high school student, is it worth it? Well, I got to say, I believe it is. But only when we behold the treasures in heaven and see them for what they really are, when we shift our focus to say that when we have Jesus, we have all that we need and we are in a place where we behold God as he beholds us. God is beholding you this morning. But there's something I believe that he's calling all of us to let go of, to cling to that which is greater. And often Jesus will demand something from us, but he also offers us more than we could ever dream of. What will your marriage look like when you behold treasures in heaven? 
What will your school look like when you behold treasures in heaven? What does your family look like? What does your community look like when we behold treasures in heaven? When we put things in the rightful place, when we prioritize, when we never get tired of letting go. I've come to a place in my life where as much as it pains and aches me, there's something right now in my life that I wrestle with, that me and Aisha, we talk about. And I'm like, I hate going to this place. It is exhausting. Has anybody ever done some like counseling and gone through therapy and some different things and you have to realize you got to keep revisiting traumatic stuff and how exhausting it is? Like I got to keep going back to that. I got to keep revisiting that. I got to keep shifting to that because it becomes something that eats up away in my heart. Aisha, she talks to me about it and she says, you start spiraling when you talk about this conversation. Like when you go down this rabbit hole, she's optimistic and I'm pessimistic. And I don't know if you ever had that person before, but it's just like, I just take the wind out of the room. And she's like, I came in very excited during our family meeting to talk about this. And you just like ripped everything out of the room. And I'm like, I know, but I can't like, it's like, it's like eating away at me and I'm sleeping and I'm like thinking about it as I'm laying in bed. I'm just like, ah, I can't let go of it. And I have to keep revisiting this place. What's your place that you got to revisit this morning? That God is calling you to behold, because I got to be honest with you, just because he's calling you to behold it doesn't mean that it's a good thing. Sometimes he calls us to behold that sin. He calls us to behold that struggle. He calls us to behold that family situation. He calls us to behold our neighbor. He calls us to behold another community. He calls us to behold the problem in society, he calls us to behold. This morning, my prayer is that you would behold treasures in heaven and put things in their rightful place. Because then and only then, we will see that Jesus Christ is worth it. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, it's interesting, the very thing that you ask us to shift our mind on, to let go of, to behold and to let go of is the very thing that you empower us to do, that you've given us a freedom to do. Would you open our hands this morning? Would you open our hearts this morning to sit with the tension of recognizing we are that rich young ruler? But today, my prayer is that we would not walk away, but Lord, that we would stay even when it's difficult, even when it's perplexed, even when it's confusing, confusing, even when it's hard, even when we want to let go, we sit in your presence right now with our hands open and our hearts open to say, we behold you because that which we behold, we become. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.